growing in God's Word, and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is coming. You ought to be looking for it. You ought to be ready for my return because that will change the way you look at your life, the way you look at your circumstance, the way you look at the people around you. If you're looking from the perspective of, well, God's coming back. Did you ever wish you could look into the future? For thousands of years, people have sought through various means to find out what was coming. But all they really needed to do was look into God's Word. It is the Word of God. It is in the Word of God that we can find out about our future. It is right, and it is right 100% of the time. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Today we come to the end of a journey we began well over a year ago. As Pastor Clay has walked us through most of the New Testament books known as the General Letters and a series entitled Building on the Basics. In this series, we've looked at the basic of faith from the book of James, the basic of hope from 1st and 2nd Peter, the basic of love from 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And for the last few weeks, we've been looking at the basic of judgment from the book of Jude. When the Lord comes, first thing He's going to do is judge those who have gone their own path, made their own decisions, that were contrary to what he desired for their life. And can I remind you of this? His desires for your life are always in your best interest, whether you believe it or not. As Pastor Clay explained when we started the book of Jude, judgment may not sound like it goes well with the basics of faith and hope and love. But as we've seen over the last three weeks, a right understanding of God's judgments should be a part of our understanding of God. God's asking us a question, and I want you to hear this. Are you and I going to share the same mercy with others that was shared with us. Today we conclude this series with one final look at God's judgment in the future. We're glad you're joining us today for this very important and timely message. Now here's Pastor Clay. Lord willing, we're going to finish up this series as we've been walking through what are called the general epistles or the general letters of the New Testament. All of them except Hebrews, I explained at the beginning. That'll have to be a standalone message at some point. But we've walked through and we've looked at what I feel like are these, these basics that you're supposed to build into your life that should be a basic part of your understanding of your walk with Jesus Christ. And, and my prayer is, and, and I know you hadn't, I doubt if anybody uh, has been here for every single one of these, except for me and, and maybe Cindy, I'm sure you've been gone at some time, whatever. But I hope that through this process uh, that you have grown in your faith with Jesus Christ. I hope it obviously doesn't stop. I have something to say about that today. But, uh, but as we've looked at these basics of faith and, and hope and, and love and judgment, which is a part of that basic understanding of who God is and what his plans are and what we have to understand uh, about uh, him and that sort of thing. I hope that you have grown in your walk with Christ as I always pray that uh, and pray over you as, we're, as God's just leading me in developing messages and that sort of thing. So we are uh, finishing up uh, the book of Jude. That's right, we're finishing up the book of Jude. Can y'all say that out loud? Jude. The book of Jude. That's right. We're finishing the book of Jude. Cindy uh, and I uh, like uh, Chinese food. We like to eat uh, occasionally at Chinese restaurants. We like all kinds of food. And uh, I'm always fascinated by the fortunes that you get. And I, I've shared some of those from time to time. And uh, this one I got just a couple weeks ago. And I thought I would share it with you. Uh, it's, uh, it says, you will spend old age in comfort and material wealth. I saved that one. Saved that one. So I, I don't. I don't, y'all, you know what I'm saying? Those fortune, fortunes that are just like kind of mamby-pamby, you know, some philosophical statement or some, some poetic thing. I like, the, I like those fortunes. Just get right to it. You're going to be rich. Just get, get right to it. I think you guys are smart enough to realize that, uh, that material wealth, the idea of material wealth, while we all 
have that, that draw towards the desire of security and that sort of thing. Uh, I think you're all smart enough to realize, uh, hopefully, that, that material wealth in the end, the possessions or, or the things of this world are not really, not really in the end what will bring comfort and peace and hope and security and, and all of those things. I tell those people this all the time. Uh, I write about this in, in my book. I wrote about this a lot. That, that I think that everybody's looking for the same thing in life. I really do. I think everybody's looking for peace, security, the idea that their life matters, uh, hope, uh, joy. I think everybody's looking for those things in their life. They just look in different places. And so uh, it's not found in, in possessions or anything like that. Just not picking on them. I just, it's just in the newsletter. Just, just ask Brad and Angelina, right? Or Bradgelina, if you, if you like that one. I guess the paparazzi aren't going to be able to use that anymore because they're divorcing. Now, here's all I'm saying about this, folks. If you think about this for just, just a minute. Now, here's a couple that, I, as I understand it, are probably considered the most beautiful couple in the world. At least I've, I've heard that tossed around. The most beautiful couple in the world. They've, they've got the looks, and, and they do, right? I mean, they've got the fortune, right? Millions of dollars coming in every year. They've got the mansions all over the world. They've got, they've got the fame, millions of adoring fans hanging on every word they say, waiting for the next blockbuster film to come out. They've got the awards. They've got the accolades. Uh, they literally, and I was thinking about this, uh, they literally have, the, the best I could think of, anything and everything or can have, anything and everything that the world has to offer. And yet, it still wasn't enough. It still didn't bring happiness. It didn't bring joy or contentment into their home or into their life. And, and I wish that for them. I, I pray that they, would, that they would know the living God and, and his, where real love is founded and based and how they experience it in their life. But it's not really, in the end, the possessions that we have that will ultimately make us happy. But I think all of us like the idea of, of, of security and knowing, you know, bills are going to be paid and that sort of thing. It's, it's nothing wrong with, with having that desire of understanding what it is to want to know that my family's going to be provided for and all that sort of thing. Uh, but uh, really, uh, a fortune cookie is not the place to try and find out about your future and how it's going to go. We can laugh about it, but in the end, a fortune cookie is probably not the most reliable place uh, to find out about your future. You already know this, right? It is the Word of God. It is in the word of God that we can find out about our future. It is right, and it is right 100% of the time. If you brought a copy of God's word with you today, you can open it to the book of Jude. The text will be on the screen as well, but if you have it on your phone, your iPad, or a hard copy, uh, I encourage you to open to the book of Jude uh, as we're going to look at it in just a moment. But understanding this idea, and this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just... It's not in this, un, this idea of, of things or material wealth or possessions. That's, that's never going to do it. And it's not what our future, as far as this world is concerned and what God has for us, that's not really what the focus is. By the way, Jesus said uh, as much, maybe you've read this in, I think, Luke chapter 12. He says, then he said to them, watch out and guard yourselves from all types of greed because one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Nothing wrong with nice stuff or having that or being blessed and, you know, have it working hard or whatever the case may be. He's just saying, Jesus is just saying, listen, don't, in the end, if that's where you think you're going to find it, you're not. You're not. So, Jude has uh, 
taught us, hopefully, about looking at judgments in the past. We saw that in the first part of the book of, of Jude. What we, we, could, we could look at those judgments in the past, what we could, could learn from those judgments in the past uh, for our lives, what it means for our lives, and those, those specific examples that Jude gives in there. And then we looked at the importance of living. Jude's taught us about living in judgment today, being able to discern and understand the world in which we live and, and what the influence is on our own life and on our family's life and how we have to, we have to judge, discern those things and what they are and what they should be and shouldn't be and all that sort of thing. So let's see what else Jude has to teach us. Here's the third idea from Jude that we're looking at. We need to look for judgment in the future, this is a basic understanding of being a follower of Jesus Christ. By the way, if you happen to be here as a, a guest, and we've, I think we've got several guests here today, uh, but Steve and Tina Taylor are with us. They are old friends of ours. We have, we're just adding up. We haven't seen each other in about 23 years. Uh, knew each other from in Tennessee, and they were so kind. They were in the area and came by to see us today. So thank you guys for coming. I really appreciate it uh, so very much. Uh, Jude uh, only has one chapter, right? He's talked about the past. He's talked about the present. Look what he says about the future in verses 13 through 19, looking for judgment in the future. Now, listen, listen to what he says. Uh, and and I'll, I'll give, I know we're jumping right into the middle of something in verse 13, but I'll give the context here in just a minute. Wild waves of the sea casting up their own shame like foam. Wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these men that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are the grumblers finding fault, following after their own lusts. They speak arrogantly. Flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. That they were saying to you in the last time, there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. And these are the ones who cause divisions, worldly minded, devoid of the Spirit. If you happen to be here last week, you may remember that we finished up in verse 12 with Jude giving all of these descriptors of, of these false teachers. And, and we've seen false teachers in Peter. We've seen false teachers in, in John's letters. Uh, these ideas of these false teachers keep coming up and keep coming up and keep uh, coming up. And in verse 12, uh, Jude gave us all these descriptors. He said, uh, they're like hidden reefs in your love feasts. They're, they're, it may look all calm and tranquil, but watch out. Watch out uh, for these guys. He said, they're like clouds without rain. They might look like impressive, but, but in the end, they, they produce uh, nothing. There's, there's nothing, nothing to them like that. He said, they're like, they're like autumn trees without any fruit on them. They're, they're doubly dead, uprooted. No fruit, no root. So he gives these descriptors, and we walked through that last week. We talked about what all these descriptors are and what they, what they mean and how they apply to our lives. And the reality that these false teachers, and we talked about this last week, that these false teachers are still as prominent today as they were then. There are still uh, people inside the church and outside the church that are truly, literally leading billions of people away from the one true God. Billions of people away from the one true God. 
The truth is, there is one path to God, and that, that's God's rules, not mine. There is one path to God. There are many paths away from God. It, it, it could be a, a teacher a, a, about a, a, some type of false god, leading people down towards some other uh, ism. It could be materialism and uh, the, the pushing, promoting the idea of materialism and where essentially stuff becomes a person's God. It could be atheism where uh, essentially man becomes his own God. It, it could be a variety of things, but billions of people are being led down paths away from the true God. It shouldn't surprise us that it's that way though, right? Scripture is full of... of uh, the truth that this was going to happen, always going to happen in mankind, but more and more as the, the end times begin to approach, you would see more and more of, uh, of this type of teaching and this type of uh, thing going on. So we shouldn't really be surprised by it, but can I just remind you of this? The truth is, false teachers are not the only ones to blame for what is going on. Because the truth is, false teachers would have no effect if they didn't have anybody that wanted to listen to them. And that's the truth. The Apostle Paul uh, said this in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, this is Paul's closing letter, the last words he ever uh, wrote, uh, Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God. Why? Listen to what he says. Preach the word of God. Be prepared. Whether the time is favorable or not, Patiently, this is this is what a teacher, a pastor, this is this is, this is what, what we're called to do. patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage encourage your people with good teaching. For a time, well, here it is. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. There'll come a time, Paul says, when when men won't want to hear this. They will follow their own desires and look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given to you. So uh, Paul makes it very clear. He says there's a, there's a day coming when, when men will they'll, they'll read, they won't want to hear. In other words, they don't want to hear that God's standard is this, or that God thinks this, or God has this expectation. They don't want to hear that faith, actual biblical faith, uh, requires action. It requires a surrender of yourself. It requires uh, an, an, an obedience to God, a radical obedience to God in our lives. And I, and I just tell you, oftentimes they, they don't want to hear something. They don't want to hear uh, Jesus' words in Luke chapter 9 where he says, if any of you want to be my followers, you must forget about yourself. You must take up your cross each day and follow me. But I don't want to forget about myself. I, I, don't, I don't want to, right? I want to do what I want to do. That is, and listen, if you don't have to raise your hand or confess, but I'm telling you, that is the pull of the flesh. And all of us struggle with it at times. The idea that, oh, I know, okay, I know God says this, but I, I'd much rather do this, or I'd much rather act this way in this situation. It's, it's hard. It's hard. Listen, can I just remind you, if, or if you're a guest here, you're hearing this, for, this is the theme verse for Cross Culture Church. And when we started this thing, we knew it was going to be tough because we said we want to try and be a church that actually lives out these words where we, where we focus on the fact that it's not about us at all. That it's about the glory of God and his kingdom and it's about others. 
And, and it's just, a lot of people just don't want to hear that message. I'm just being honest with you. A lot of people just don't want to hear that message. So they gather into those, they go looking for those who will give them what their ears want to hear. Give them something that's perhaps less sacrificial or more palatable to, to the flesh or whatever the case uh, may be. So the false teachers aren't the only ones to blame for this, but there in verse, it's picked up in verse 13, Jude finishes up these descriptors, right? He finishes up these descriptors and uh, he says there, he says, they're like wild waves of the sea. He said all these other things about it. He says, he says they're like wild waves of the sea casting up their own shame like foam. Now, uh, if ever there's time to relate to that, uh, we can relate to that. This idea of wild waves, if you've watched the news, if you perhaps have been at the beach uh, lately to, to see these big waves rolling in and, and, and uh, crashing onto the shore. And there's something about waves. And, there, and some of you are just diehard beach people. You, know, you just love it. But I think most everybody would agree there's something about waves that 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 that's it's it, I just love to to look at them uh, even the big ones roll up on the shore and there's something about that sound of a wave as it as it crashes on uh, to the beach right it, it it it's it draws your attention it it's it's something you want to look at but you know something in the end the result is always destructive you think it's always destructive. It, uh, the, the big waves that erode the beach. The big waves can, can wash out roads or sink ships or uh, take out homes. And it's always in the end destructive. And Jude says that, that, that's kind of the idea here with false teachers. He says that they, they may look impressive. They may sound impressive. But the result is always destructive. He says watch out. Watch out for them. And then he refers uh, to them as wandering stars. More than likely a reference to meteors or what we call shooting stars. He said they're, they're like wandering stars. They're like a shooting star. They, they light up the night sky for a split second. They, they, they got center stage for just a second as they come flashing across the sky. But it's a split second in the whole scheme of things. It's a split second. And then they disappear into the darkness, burn out, never to be seen again. And Jude says that's, that's what's in store. For the false teachers, they, they may have center stage, they may grab people's attention, it may sound good, they may say, oh yeah, I like what they're saying, or I like what they're teaching, or this idea about, about God, or this idea about life, or uh, where I'm going to find happiness in my life, it may sound good, but Jude says they, they, got, a, they got a reservation, and I don't, he's, just, he's just stating truth, they got a reservation, that part of verse 13, uh, it says, uh, the black darkness has been reserved forever, so uh, these, these, uh, False teachers, they're wild waves of the sea. They're casting up their own shame like foam. They're wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved. And Jude says, listen, this really uh, shouldn't come as a surprise for you. And he, and he begins to quote here in verse 14. It's very interesting. He begins to quote Enoch. You guys ever heard of Enoch? Ever heard that name? Enoch? Can y'all say that? Enoch? <laughs> y'all heard of Enoch? Well, it's interesting. Jude... Uh, uh, Scripture's full of, right, stuff about judgment and about all that's going to happen and all that kind of stuff. Jude uses a prophecy of Enoch. What's interesting is we don't have this prophecy in Scripture, except here in Jude. This is the only place that this prophecy happens to exist. And in, uh, in verse 14 and 15 there, he says, It was also about these men, these false teachers, that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. That's a lot of ungodlies in it. Jude says, based on what Enoch has said from a prophecy that he's gathered, 
That that's how it's going to be in the end time. That there'll just be this ungodliness that will reign over the world. And it'll be, it'll be this tidal wave swelling up and you'll see this thing coming. And it's just ungodliness, ungodliness, ungodliness. Ungodliness meaning a standard or, or an action or, a, or a feel, whatever it is contrary to God. That's what makes it ungodly. This is what's going to be swelling. This is what's going to be coming. This is what you can expect uh, to see in the last days. And he says, but what is it he says? He says, but this day is coming when the Lord is coming. And when the Lord comes, first thing he's going to do is judge those who have gone their own path, chosen their own direction, made their own decisions that were contrary to what he desired for their life. And can I remind you of this? I say this all the time. His desires for your life are always in your best interest, whether you believe it or not, whether you think it's what it ought to be or not. Well, I would think this or I want to do that. Based on your knowledge, your experience, your intelligence uh, against God, I, I'm going with God. I'm just pretty sure he knows more than me. And he says, listen, I love you. And this is why, this is why I have this for your life or this is why I don't have this for your life. It's because I love you. Not because I hate you, not because I'm the, the universal party pooper or anything like that, but because I love you and this is how I want your life to be for your good. And so Jude says, here's what's coming. This judgment is, is coming. And he says, listen, and guys, you shouldn't be surprised by this. He says, because that's what the prophets said, is, or, or the, the apostles said. He said, the apostles told you about this, that this was, was coming. I think in verse uh, 7, 18, 19, uh, uh, he says, the apostles told you, they are saying to you, in the, they, they being the apostles are saying to you, in the last time there shall be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly minded, devoid of the Spirit. Now, I'm sure that all the apostles, the original followers of Jesus, I'm sure they were all teaching this, but, but Jude's quote is almost a direct quote of Peter. Second Peter uh, chapter 3, uh, look, look at the similarity. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts. So what is he saying? This, this, look around you. Look at the world around you. As you see this growing, you see this increasing, you can understand we're moving towards the end. I'm not naming dates. I'm just telling you, he says, this is something you can expect to see in the last days. By the way, isn't it interesting? Uh, this is, this is uh, maybe it's ironic. Maybe it's just like God to do this. I think it's just like God to use the very mockers, the one who mock his word, mock his existence, mock whatever, that God would use those very ones to validate his word. Because he said, when you see the mockers showing up, and, and the mock's like, oh, yeah, what, what's, yeah this, is, this is phony baloney. This is whatever. And God said 2,000 years ago, that, yeah, that's, that's evidence that we're near the end. So God's using the very mockers to validate the truth of his word. But it's coming. You can expect it. It's just, it, this is how it's going to be in the last days. And so he says all of this, he says all of this to say to us, listen, you've got to anticipate that this is coming. You ought to be looking for it. You ought to be ready for my return because that will, we'll get some more detail, detail of this in a minute, but that will change the way you look at your life, the way you look at your circumstance, the way you look at the people around you. If you're looking from the perspective of, well, God's coming back. God's going to settle this. God, yeah, it's not, not me, not, not the Pope, not this, not that. Not Oprah, God's going to settle all this stuff. God's got his uh, plans and, and his word says that it, it could be coming very, very soon. But it absolutely is coming. So he's saying this to us so that we are awake, so that we are alert, so that we're looking for these things. Okay? And then, in verses 20 to the end of the chapter, Jude gives us what I call five action steps. Because in, in all, this whole thing through Jude, this, I think, month now, 
in Jude. All right, we see the examples from the past. All right, got it. Yeah, we, we saw what we did with Sodom and Gomorrah and to the angels. We saw what, you know, here and there. Okay, we understand what, how we're supposed to judge and present and all that kind of stuff. But, but what does this mean? What's the end result? Here's five action steps that I think Jude uh, gives us that we can apply to our lives right now having to do with our future. Okay, first one, work out your faith. Verse 20, work out your faith. Look what he says in verse 20. Y'all with me? You with me? All right. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Work out your faith. Hey, do you notice? Do you notice? <laughs> Devil is working in the doors. Did you notice in there? Look at verse 20. Do you notice in there what it says? But you, dear friends, watch this. By building yourselves up. Do you see that? But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up. Now listen, that doesn't mean that, it, that it's not the power of God that brings change in our life. It is the power of God. He brings change to our life. He's the one that does that. But you understand what Jude is saying? Jude is saying, hey, 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 this is on you. It's your responsibility to grow up in Christ Jesus. It's your responsibility to take responsibility for your life where you are spiritually and to and to to go somewhere with that if you settle for where you are you're settling for less than what god has for you ladies and gentlemen you understand we've got to we've got to work out our faith we've got to apply it to our lives we've got to here's a good here's a good way to look at it. here's a formula that, that i gave to you uh yeah there's a yeah push plus pray well that's the third or fourth person's gotten up so they're gonna get that door stopped <laughs> I can tell you that right now. That door will never slam again. Here we go. Push plus pray equals what? Say it again. Push plus pray equals power. That's what he's saying. He says, build yourself up. It's God's power. He's going to do it. But you've got you to you say, you know what? I've got I to do this. I got to stop making excuses and start making advances in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? That's a pretty good word. I got to stop making excuses and start making advancements in my walk with Jesus Christ. So here's what you do. You got to push and you got to pray. And if you do, you're going to experience power in ways that you've never experienced before. Here's my question for you today. I just did that to draw you back in. Lots of door slamming going on. Do you, look at me, do you push yourself spiritually speaking do you push yourself that is a great question to ask and it is convicting or it is to me how much do i push myself do i slack off at times sure but the idea of pushing myself and and saying no i'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna just settle in uh, right here I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna push for more than this uh, listen if if I, mean, I think I've got something like this. If you are where you were, where you are is not where you are supposed to be. Is that, did I get that right? I didn't even turn around. If you are where you were, where you are is not where you're supposed to be. You've got to push. Do you push spiritually? Do you push? 
And this applies to everybody. Listen, I'm going to share something with you, and I hope you know my heart. I hope you understand that, that it's not, I'm not trying to, I prayed about this a lot last night, whether it was okay to do this or not, but th- I'm not trying to build us up or anything. I'm just trying to say that this applies to everybody. We've got to push, folks. We've got to push. Cindy and I, when we came to a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, early on in our walk with Christ, uh, we came under conviction, understanding Scripture, that, that, we were, that this is a spiritual matter, that we were to tithe, that we would be biblical tithers, that we were to give 10% of our income uh, back to the Lord. It's, it's, it's clear in Scripture. It's, it's, uh, we were convicted about it. Uh, we understood it's a faith action that we had to take in our lives. So many years ago, we, we started that. For many years ago, we started that practice of, of giving back 10% of our income uh, to, to the Lord. Uh, in the previous church I, I pastored, uh, and, and then here when we started Cross Culture, we, we wanted to push ourselves. And so we made the decision to begin to add uh, an additional 1% to our tithe uh, every year. And this is the eighth year of, of Cross Culture, so you don't have to be a math genius to figure out where we are in, in, our, in our giving uh, process. Why? Because we want to push. We want to push. We don't want to settle for where we are. We, we want to we be used by God to, to a greater degree, to a greater surrender of him. And so, and so we, we push. At some point, will we stop pushing the, the percentage a year? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I know we want to at least get to t- double tithers. That's been one of our goals. Is we want to get to at least be a double tither. So you understand what I'm saying? You just you got to push, folks. I, I push myself. Every time I finish one book, on spiritual content, spirit, you know, some whatever by the latest author or some classic or whatever. And I finish one, I start another because I've got to push. I've got to push. I can't settle for where I am in my walk with Christ. It's, it's, that's, you've got to push. That's what he says. He says, work out your salvation. Are you pushing? I know I'm harping on that a lot. Pushing and prayer. Serious, get on your face before God. Set the time aside and pray in the Spirit of God, by the way, doesn't mean that you have to get caught up in some... Um, it just means that you're completely surrendered to the Spirit of God and where He wants to lead you in prayer and, and what He wants to say to you and through you and reveal to you. It's just about dedicating that time to just, just get there on your face or on your knees or in your chair or wherever it is and say, God, speak to me. Let me tell you about my life and what's going on. Not because He doesn't know, but because it's this, this relationship going on. Push plus prayer equals power. That's what we've got to have in our lives. All right, here, here's second action step. Boy, we've got to hurry. Walk in love. Work out your faith. Walk in love. In verse uh, 21, first part of 21, keep yourselves in God's love. Is that what he says? Keep yourselves in God's love. All right, what does that not mean? That cannot mean that we can come to a point where God stops loving us, right? It can't mean that. Scripture is just too clear that, that God's love for us is not based on our actions toward him or, or how much we love him or how much we do for him. Do you remember this passage in Romans chapter 5, verse 8? It says, but God demonstrates his own, what's that word? Love. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even while we were still sinners, he loved us. So it cannot mean to keep ourselves in his love is that we have to do something so God keeps loving us. No, it must mean something else. And what it means is that you and I have to live in the reality of his love. We have to, we have to live in the reality of his love. How do I do that? Well, first, here's what you do. Remind ourselves of his love. Every day, reminding yourself of his love. So listen, so when the enemy, when the enemy comes... 
when the enemy comes and he whispers in your ear, you see, he doesn't care about you. Where's your God when you're going through all this? How do you know he really even exists? In those moments, in those circumstances, in those trials, you and I have to remind, we have to just say, remind ourselves and, and remind our enemy, no, I will not, I will not receive this, I will not listen to this word. I may not like what I'm going through, I may not understand what I'm going through, I may want what I'm going through to change, but it, whatever I'm going through, it is not because God does not love me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, no matter what my circumstances might be saying or other people might be saying or whatever else. I I have to remind myself of his love, okay? And second, I also have to reflect his love to others. That's That's how you do it. That's how you walk in love. By reminding myself and by reflecting his love to others, right? You got, in the way we act, the way we treat the people, the, the, the waiter or the waitress, your coworker, your neighbor, that person across the table from you in, in the cafeteria, uh, even the person at the desk at the DMV needs God's love. And we have to reflect it to him. Listen, a, a quick uh, story. The other day I was going home from the gym. And when I leave my gym, I have to, I have to turn right where I come out. I have to turn right and then immediately get over and make a U-turn to head back towards my house. Uh, so so I, I turned out. I got over and uh, I'm ready to make a U-turn. And, you know, it's like, it's like all clear, right? It's all clear. So I make a U-turn. And as I'm making this U-turn and you're like, you're like, it's, you're like swing. It's two lanes that you're turning into. But I got to get over to the left lane in a hurry because that, that lane runs out. You got me? So I'm making this U-turn, and I'm turning, and, and as I'm turning and going into all of a sudden, this, this taxi just comes out of nowhere, flying, flying up on me. Just flying up, laying on his horn. Y'all ever had that happen to you? I mean, maybe not a taxi, but so, just laying on his horn. And I, and I had to swerve back to the right. I didn't even tell anybody about this. I had to swerve back to the right because I was afraid this guy was going to hit me because he was going so fast and flying up on me and laying on the horn and, and all this kind of stuff. I didn't flip him off. <laughs> I didn't cuss him out. She came by me. His window was down. My window came down. And my wife knows this is like my pat response when I do this. And, and, and so as he goes by, I like, I like throw up my hands. I just throw up my hands. And I'm like, really? Really? As he drives on by. Now, you might be saying, well, Clay, that's, that's not so bad. Trust me, I've done much worse than that. But you might say, Clay, that's not so bad. No, it wasn't so bad. But it wasn't the love of God. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't reflecting the love of God. In that moment, that's all I'm saying. We, we just, I, I've got to be thinking that way all the time. You see, uh, and to reflect his love, it, it, is, it is both of these things. It is attitude and it is action. It is both of those things, attitude and action. What is your attitude toward your life, toward others? Toward, and then what are the actions that we can take to reflect the love of God to others? Oh, it's so easy to get angry. It's so easy to write people off. It's so easy to do this about them or gossip that about them or... or or not like them because they did this to us or whatever. But what does Jude says, say? He says, man, this love of God, walk in this love of God. And this is not, and not only be, it'll radically change your life, your, your approach to circumstances, your approach to people, but it might even change their life when they see the love of God actually demonstrated to them in a situation where they probably didn't deserve it. 
All right, here we go. Third uh, action step, real quick. Wait for Christ. I'm talking about the idea of living in anticipation. I mentioned that a little bit earlier in the last part of verse 21. He says, as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. Will you read that verse with me again, please? As you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. All of this, all of whatever life is, the good, the bad, the ugly, the ups, the downs, the twists and the turns, uh, the, the tragedies, the triumphs, the, all of the stuff that makes life life. As I often say, all of, all of this is destined for dust. It's all going away. And so he says, man, look, look for him. Live your life in anticipation of the coming of Jesus Christ. All of us know what that feels like. Maybe not on a spiritual level, but you know what I'm saying? You're expecting a package, you're something you're really looking for. You're looking for the mailman, the FedEx man, uh, the, the UPS man, the XYZ man. You don't care who brings it, but you got that package. You're waiting, right? And you're just anticipating it. You remember when you was a kid? You remember that anticipation on Christmas Eve? You're looking for Santa Claus to come? What did I just hear on the roof? You know what I'm saying? It's that, it's that feeling? Jesus says, man, you do yourself so much good if you would live every day of your life in that same way, anticipating the return of Jesus Christ. Now, I understand we get busy in life, and, we, and so it's not maybe constantly on our minds, but perhaps to build in the discipline to stop every once in a while and say, this is a, this is a train wreck. My life is a train wreck right now. But... As the song goes, people get ready. There's another train coming. Don't need no ticket. You just get on board. I won't start singing. Anyway, it's living in that anticipation, right? Y'all know that song? People get ready. No, no. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. We've got to go. Here we go. Fourth. Here it is. Witness to all. And listen, I'm just taking this straight from what Jude says. You understand? Look what he says. Be merciful to those who doubt. There, there are plenty of people that doubt around you. People that, oh, no, I don't know about the whole Jesus thing. Be merciful to them. Save others. Look at this. Look at this description. By snatching them from the fire. Wow. That's a powerful descriptor, isn't it? To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. He says, man, hate it for them. Hate it for yourself. Don't get, get dragged into that situation. You ought to hate it for them because, because the end result of that will be destruction of their lives, unhappiness. It will never satisfy them. So he, he says, but listen, it's the very idea. Listen, and I, I really believe this. I mean, you just call me old-fashioned, but I, I truly believe that there is a literal hell and that every person without a, a relationship with Jesus Christ is literally dangling over the pit of hell and is only one heartbeat away from spending eternity there. Not because God wants it that way. The Calvinists got that wrong. And my apologies if you're a Calvinist. But the Calvinists got it wrong about that. Not because God wants it that way, but because you and I, all of us, are sinners. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, you, you probably know it. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's why we can't say, well, ugh, look at that person. Oh, I would never. You're just as rotten, no good, down, good for nothing sinner as they are. But I love you. And so does God. More importantly, so does God. For all of us have sinned. Fortunately, Romans six twenty three is there. The wages, the cost, the penalty for that sin is death, eternal separation from God. That's what the Word of God says. But, would you say it with me? The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There it is. 
So here's the question God's asking us. I know we've got to close. Here's the question God's asking us. You know that mercy that, that Jude's been talking about? Somebody can get that? You know the mercy that Jude's been talking about, that he wrote about even in this verse? Here's the question God is asking. You looking at me? They'll, they'll leave a message. Listen to me. God's asking us a question. And I want you to hear this. Are you and I going to share the same mercy with others that was shared with us? God's mercy was extended to you. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God's mercy has been extended to you. And Jude, God through the prophet Jude is saying, won't you do the same? Won't you even take that visual idea of, of literally snatching them from the, from the very flames of hell? That's what we're going to do. That's what he's asking. And then the last one, worship him alone. It, all the... All the books of the Bible are God's word are all fantastic. They, they all finish exactly the way they should. But I don't know of any book in the Bible that finishes any better than the book of Jude. Verse 24 and 25 where it says, Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away. There's a good word. And will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. That's a really good word. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time, in the past, and in the present, and beyond all time, into the future. Amen and amen. Listen, to worship him requires a surrender of our lives to, to, for all glory and majesty to be lifted up to him in this place on Sunday morning. Sure. Sure, should we, should we forget about everything else we come in here and worship Him and, and, and be led by His Spirit and, and, and see God fill this place up so the more people want Sure, and what goes on in here on Sunday morning? Absolutely. But more importantly, when it is lived out in our lives, those, those things that we listed there, those five action steps, when they, are, when they are lived out in our lives, at school, at work, in the neighborhood, in your family, in wherever it is, when they are lived out, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm telling you, that is the greatest act of worship that you and I will ever do in our entire lives. The greatest act of worship that we will ever do in our lives. What a powerful picture Jude gave us with those words, snatching them out of the fire. Among other things today, we were challenged to think about each person in terms of where they will spend eternity. God's mercy is something that should be shared with everyone. None of us knows for sure when the Lord will return. So living ready becomes that much more important. How about you? Are you ready for His return? We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting. If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. 
God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. A new church for people like you. Cross-Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.